Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 150. Woo! Yay! Yay! All right. 150, the even number. I don't know. (laughs) We'll celebrate anything at this point. Right, which we had absolutely no plan for at this point. No, No, pretty much this afternoon. I was just kind of like... Hey, you want to talk about music we like? I think that's very appropriate for us, actually, because so often the stuff that we really like about TV shows and movies is the music. And so often, you know, you and I have talked about we hear a really cool piece of music. And what do we do? We imagine something to go with it, like a jailbreak. I think a jailbreak or a prison break or something is a recurring theme in some of these things. Yeah, I've got a prison break and I've also got like, uh, I have one where it's like running from a tornado like there's people in a I don't know in this like little cart or whatever but they can't get everybody on the cart so somebody has to run alongside and run away from the tornado I don't know there's an internal logic but it works when you're on a run and can imagine yourself being a badass hero Ooh, I like rescue missions rescue missions work especially oh. well I think for some of these things yeah that's really good also um, if you want to imagine that you have either a pair of real or mechanical wings that's yes. a really good daydream oh yeah, yeah. That's well great... that's that's pretty much standard for me so you know yeah. fan dragon that just yeah. it goes without saying. Oh, yeah. You can't go wrong with a pair of wings. So anyway, uh, we're going to talk about some music that we like. And then we also have a few more things that have happened in the nerd world recently that we'll, of course, get to. But um, so did you want to go first? Because I had said my specifications were a piece of music that you love that makes you nostalgic, but in a nerdy way. Um, actually, what we were talking about, having a piece of music that we, you know, imagine a rescue mission or something to. Okay, Paul Van Dyke. And I'm sure anyone who is in the club scene and has been for like the last 20 years knows who he is, but he is like such an amazing techno DJ. And Hannah, our little sister, gave us a recording of his years ago, and she had titled it Fancy Pants because apparently it was this big thing for the summer class that she taught that she and the other teachers were obsessed over. And we just only recently found out what the real name was for because none of us still had a copy and we couldn't remember what he called it. And Paul Van Dyke, he has, I think, thousands of pieces out there, it seems like. At least when you're trying to find something of his on YouTube, it sure feels like thousands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think to clarify for Hannah's thing, fancy pants was like a buzzword between all of the camp teachers and counselors and whatever. And for like the final, I don't know, there was like a a big final group meeting, skit, show, performance thing or whatever. If I understand correctly, she and all the other teachers, counselors got together and they actually choreographed a dance to go with the Fancy Pants song, which is this Paul Van Dyke song. And I also remember they talked about Sometime after that, a bunch of the teachers and counselors all went out onto the Blue Ridge Parkway and had a little campfire, and somebody had a recording of the song, and they started doing it, and they all did it around the campfire. I have a very specific memory of her telling me this. I'm like, this all sounds wonderful. I love it. It just sounds great. It does, and I remember her telling us that part of the dance that they did was that they had these cardboard signs, and that one person would like come across with the word fancy, and then another person... (laughs) pants and then in the middle of the song someone comes out in the center with this great big sign gentle cycle <laughs> it was it's all just... about some one of the teachers i think had a pair of jeans that were considered particularly fancy i don't know it was i heard it was underwear actually <laughs> <laughs> 
But I could be wrong. I could be making that up. But yeah, the Fancy Pants song, that's a big one. Oh, yeah. And I um, finally managed to track the mix CD that Hannah made for us. And I sent a copy of the song to Elizabeth, like actually recorded it on my phone and sent it to her. So you could use, what was the, the app that you used for that? Soundhound. And it found it. Be darned. Oh, yeah. I would not have, have... You not ever. Have you not ever used Soundhound? No, and I really need to because I wouldn't oh, have thought that it would work for techno, for something that didn't have any words to it. It works for... You would use it for classical music pieces. You could use it for like... God, commercial jingles? I mean, it'll find pretty much anything. It says that you can hum a song at it and it'll figure out which one it was. I have not found this to be true, but uh, maybe it's just my singing ability versus the power of the app. But yeah, no, it, it works. I love, I've used it for on The Walking Dead. They don't use it as much anymore. Like The Walking Dead used to have at least one like good song montage and episode. And I have found some amazing songs through that one. Just, you know, the episode be playing. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. And I pause the episode, rewind start playing the episode, hold sound having up to it, find out what it is. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah, but to bring it back to the nerdy sphere, when Hannah sent this to us, I was particularly obsessed with X-Men at the time. So, of course, that was the whole thing that I imagined a rescue mission with me and Jubilee, for some reason. I don't know why I fixated on that character. A lot of people thought that she was kind of a nothing character, but I was just like, maybe, maybe I identified her as kind of like the voice of the audience or something. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, the, hearing that again really gave me some nostalgia for the first time that I was just listening to this over and over again. Oh, that's awesome. I have a daydream, the mechanical wings thing, or maybe row wings, I don't know, and a kind of like a race through the buildings of downtown San Diego. And I'm usually carrying someone with me who's assisting in this race. Like, I don't know, they're collecting the pennants that are hanging from buildings or whatever. And who that person is usually depends on who I like at the moment. Currently, it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, because he's into that kind of thing. He'd think it would be very fun. (laughs) It's probably way too much into my psyche than you need to say. But um, yeah, so mine, what I was thinking of, when this all occurred to me, I was thinking about songs that you play this time of year, sort of like autumn kind of songs, nerdy kind of songs. What brings it back? The Lost Boys soundtrack. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And there's a particular reason why. So we were in college. We've mentioned this before. A guy that we had just met in college found out we loved the Transformers movie, and he was the one who made us a copy of the Transformers the movie soundtrack on a tape that we listened to to death. But for some reason on the other side, I've never figured out why, he recorded the Lost Boys soundtrack, a movie that I didn't actually see for another like three years after that. I'd never seen it. But man, you listen to that soundtrack and it brings back one, oddly enough, Transformers the movie because now they're linked in my mind. But it brings back the dorm in the 90s. It brings back fall weather and seeing snow for the first time. Or, well, we saw snow when we were in the third grade, but it wasn't much of a snowfall. But you go into North Carolina and you'll see some snow. Yeah, and that, you're right, actually. That really does bring all that... Um, our uncles sending us a care package with like tons of king-sized uh, candy bars as we were getting ready for studying for exams and us like going down the hallway and handing out candy to people. All of that comes back when I think about that soundtrack. It's just amazing. Yeah, I remember we were talking about care packages. So we've got our cousin's kid is going to SDSU. So I figured I would drop by to see him and I wanted to bring him a care package. And I was trying to think of what people gave us when they gave us a care package when we were kids, like, you know, preparing for school and everything. I'm like, nope. Paper? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh-uh. No, no. I got him a flash drive and a portable battery charger or whatever. I'm like, what do, what do the kids use nowadays? But, um, yeah. God. 
I just a lot of memories brought back. But also, oh my God, reading the um, Kings of the Broken Wheel for ElfQuest. Oh, that wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh I remember God. that. Damn. Oh, my God. Another thing that brings back a flood of memories. That was like, that was such a powerful storyline. I mean, I yes. wasn't, I'm not sure that I liked the, you know, after the main ElfQuest series, the one that came after it, what was it, Captives of Blue Mountain or something like that? Or? No, uh, Blue Mountain, I think, was before Kings of the, well, oh, main, you're right, you're right. Main storyline, then, hmm. I guess Captives of Blue Mountain, though Captives of Blue Mountain might have been in with the original four books. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was it was something having to do with Blue Mountain and dealing with Winnowill again, and I I thought that was good, but I didn't like it as much as the original one. Boy, Kings of the Broken Wheel was just amazing. I mean, just some smart. real story, life-changing stuff happening to the characters in that yes. particular series. I have such a distinct memory of you see the end of this one issue where something traumatic is happening. And the preview of the cover for the following month was the tree that Cutter would always mark to show how time passed. Because the, the wolf riders weren't really good at knowing about time because they live for so long and they live in kind of, they call it the now of wolf thought, like most animals do. It's just, you know, the day after day after day, you don't keep track of such things. And he was outside of that in that he was keeping track of the days or the years, I guess. And you see this image of an old tree that has just been covered with these notch marks, like hundreds of years have gone by. Such a powerful image. Mm, Okay, well, so my next one, I'm going to have to go with Doctor Who. And Murray Gold's music. I'm really kind of happy now that the music in the first two episodes of the new season that we've watched seems to be really good. Because I was worried. Because Murray Gold is amazing. And the thing that I keep coming back to is the 11th Doctor theme, I Am the Doctor. Oh, I love that. I will sit and listen to that over and over again. It's just so amazing. And it brings back all these high points from his storylines oh man when the i guess it's a clarinet that kicks in the solo clarinet that comes in with the main theme at one point it just sounds so gleeful and yet almost like it's kind of like this otherworldly sound where it's like a happy sound but it's also kind of like mischievous and in kind of like a powerful (laughs) way i don't know how to describe it always makes me think of the 11th doctor just so neat it makes me regret that you and i didn't join the doctor who fan orchestra until like two or three performances after they had done i am the doctor because i would have loved to do that but i've loved all the ones that we've done and i understand they're still thinking about doing another one at some point (sighs) would think that would be amazing we did actually get to play a little bit of his theme was it the 50th anniversary that his theme came in there a little bit i I seem to remember maybe possibly i know we've done i know um amy pond's theme came in in that one very briefly that's true maybe it was part of that oh oh, just so love it yeah so my next one is the jurassic park soundtrack because that movie god it brings back every time i hear the music i remember the day that me and the guy that I was dating at the time were hanging out in Winston-Salem with some friends that we knew out there. And we went to this comic book shop and that was the time when I was collecting the comic book trading cards just for the art, you know, like Jim Lee had a series, a bunch of other people. And I would go through the boxes of single cards and try and find the ones that I liked. And I remember that. And then we went and got dinner and then we would go see Jurassic Park. And I'm just like, my Lord above, 
what a perfect movie in my mind, and the soundtrack was part of it, that just hearing the, the theme kick in, and you just imagine coming over the mountains and hearing that suddenly swell into loudness, and oh, so neat. And what year was that 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 came out? <sighs> Boy, I don't know, it would have been, I don't know, sometime we were still in college, so before 96, but after 91, so I don't know, 92, 93, we could look this up, we're not gonna. We're not gonna. Um, no. Yeah, I. so more than 20 years ago, I'm not sure if people who were born after that movie came out can really understand. I mean, nowadays, CGI is something that's sometimes overdone. I mean, in a lot of cases, it's overdone. It's overused by directors and movie producers who think that all you need to do is get some cool CGI effects and with no consideration taken for whether it actually works or whether, you know, it blends with the people who are already on the screen, you know, all that stuff. People may not have any idea of just how amazing it was to go oh, see yeah. this movie and that scene with the main character seeing the brontosauruses for the first time and just everybody oh. in the theater, it's dinosaurs and they look real. Oh, <laughs> just, man. I know. Oh, and then when you've got the climactic scene where they're running from the raptors, which if you listen to the music during that scene, it's just perfect, but they're stuck in the middle of the room and they've got the raptor on the one side the raptor the other the raptor sleep and the tyrannosaurus grabs one and knocks it and the way the music just just soars at that point it's just the whole theater lost their minds at that point they just really oh did the audience reaction on that i hope somebody decides to show that one in the big screen again around here sometimes because when oh. you get when you get the audience reaction feeding on itself for yes. stuff like that just wonderful but you also had i think it may have been the second time when you watched it there was something you had told me about where the volume was really low and people were shouting volume volume i have a vague memory of that i don't know maybe it's so funny what you remember and i forget and i was the one who told you right or maybe it was me and i thought it was you i don't know we have we have honestly remembered each other's stories before it's kind of ridiculous but from the story that i remember that the volume wasn't coming up and you heard someone go volume and then volume and then the other room volume and all of a sudden someone near the front shouted three two one and everybody in the audience volume (laughs) (laughs) which i assume worked at that point so i don't i have absolutely no memory of that whatsoever oh my goodness (laughs) well you know i may have to like gently mention this to nathan because there's been a bunch of times when he's told me a story and i've tried to tell him thinking it was you or hannah and he was like that was me (laughs) oh god it's so it's not all right in case anybody's wondering this is not an example of psychic nature of twins this is just you tell the same story back and forth so many times that eventually you start forgetting exactly who told it in the first place exactly. i know you wouldn't think that'd be possible but it happens but, yeah it does uh what's your third one uh, the third one is you probably guessed this one the pacific rim main theme by raymond oh. schwalday and oh my goodness, yes. with a tie-in also to the iron man soundtrack because yes. Okay, now, Pacific Rim was fun. It was not a great movie. <laughs> if you can you can come up with a bunch of criticisms about that movie, and I will probably agree with all of them, but the music was absolutely perfect. And then you go to his score on Iron Man, and that is something... Iron Man is one of those movies... It's year, it came out years and years ago. It still holds up, and I think there is very little that I would ever want to change about that movie or improve. It just, and the music is a huge thing about it. I mean, all this triumphant music and his first 
flight and then his first battle with the terrorists and just wonderful and yes. and now it's making me want to watch um what is it outland i think uh westworld westworld thank you yes, yes. he's apparently done at least the first season i think and yep. that makes me want to get i think is it a stars membership you need or is it hbo uh, i can't remember we maybe. could look it up but we're not gonna yeah, yeah uh. it really makes me want to just watch that just because I know his musical score would amplify everything. Oh, yeah. And I've heard a couple of the songs from it. And if I'm thinking of the same guy, it's like popular music, but he's redone it in a different style. Like you're listening to this kind of Japanese sort of music and you stop and you're like, I think that's Nickelback, you know, (laughs) but it's really, really very well done. So yeah, I've, for a lot of reasons, people have been telling me I need to watch Westworld. I just, because I don't get that channel and I don't think it's on Prime. I don't even know. It might be available to rent on Prime, but I am awful frugal, so I don't know, but um, I need to watch it. I think he also does the music on... Game of Thrones. And I, oh, Raymond Jwaldi, I love you. I love your music. I do not know if I can bear going into Game of Thrones. That series hurts and it will keep on hurting until it's done. So I finally looked up the description of The Red Wedding. I actually read all of that. So is it basically just like it's an unbelievable bloodbath? You know, it's a bloodbath. It's major characters getting taken out and it's just. And I know people who stopped reading the series after that. I know people who thought about stopping reading the series. By the time I got to it, I was already expecting something horrific. So I don't know that it had quite as much of a punch for me. Because I mean, I started reading this because of my reading group. And a bunch of people had finished reading it before I did. And they start talking about how angry they were at a development that happened. They did not mention the name of the event. They didn't say Red Wedding. So I was just trying to guess, you know, through the entire book, oh, is this the horrible thing? Well, that's pretty bad. Is this the horrible thing? And then I get to it and I'm like, oh, yeah, this would be That's it. the thing. Yep. Yeah. I know. Every once in a while I kick around because, you know, dragons, it's got to be awesome that she's got dragons. And they look <sighs> in all the shots. They do look awfully pretty. I just don't know that I could do that to myself, though. Well, the first book, uh, the transformation of Danieris from this very terrified princess marrying a tribal lord to what she turns into in the end is my favorite part of the entire series that I've read so far. I mean, that one bit is amazing, but... I just, I, I say this every time, I can't watch these characters suffer a second time. I haven't no. even reread any of these books no. just because no. of that, because of what George R. R. Martin does, which, you know, kudos to him. He does an amazing job of, like, really digging into all your emotions and playing you like a harp for the entire book. But, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm, no, sorry. What was it? George R. R. Martin and Joss Whedon walk into a bar and everyone you ever loved dies? <laughs> exactly. Oh, Lord. God. And speaking of which, that's my pick, the Serenity movie soundtrack. Yay! Yes, that's a wonderful man. one. Oh, man. Because you know what? I'm between you and me, I never really cared for the theme music for the TV show. You know, you can't take the sky from me. I don't think it's, I don't think the lyrics are that clever. I don't think the song is that catchy. People are going to hate me for that. I'm sorry. But I never, 
Maybe because it does sound so country, I don't know, but I just, I never liked it. And then you have the music in the movie. Oh, my Which dear sweet lord. Which is wonderful, that, that yeah. whole Celtic overtone oh, to yeah. a bunch of that Celtic going on into folk, which of course that is where folk music and country music, that's its genesis, was in the Irish music that came yes. over from the Scots-Irish emigrating to America. So you do have that sort of thing. I think it's a lot more played up in the movie music than it was in the TV soundtrack. Yes, and also the big, huge orchestral feeling behind it. I mean, it's just amazing things. And that that was, we've talked about this before, that I never watched Firefly because I felt that Joss Whedon had left Buffy and Angel to work on Firefly, and I felt Buffy suffered immediately. I mean, they went over to the UPN, and she has sex with uh, Spike, and it was just all, uh, it just got off the rails, I thought. And I blamed Joss for that, and I blamed Firefly, and so I never watched it. And then you texted me one day, and you're like, we just went to go see Serenity, you need to watch it. And I was just like, oh, I can't, I've never seen the TV show. And you're like, no, neither have we, you need to watch it. And so I actually probably waited a couple months, and I rented it. Ever since then, I've been kicking myself that I didn't see it on the big screen. It just floored me. It was so good. And I went out the very next day and bought the soundtrack because it was just glorious. Just an amazing, amazing. And that's on my running my running playlist as well, for sure. I'm wondering how many people came to the series the same way we did. And again, it was my reading group. I owe my reading group so much. I mean... China Mieville, I owe my reading group for that. Yeah, yeah. So they were the ones that said they were going out to see that and they were getting together a big group to go. And Nathan and I said, well, we've never actually seen the TV show. And they said, okay, here's what you need to know about this character, that character and what's going on come with us to see the movie and we did and then we went out and watched all the TV shows and I enjoyed the heck out of those too. But oh, yeah, the movie. Oh, just glorious, perfect yeah. storytelling from beginning to end, I thought. Yeah, and I mean, even the stuff that makes me mad when they mm-hmm. kill off characters, mm-hmm. yeah. you gotta admit, it packs a punch. And yeah, and Shepard's death, that... Spoilers. <laughs> that might have actually that might have actually gotten me a little bit more if I had seen the TV show first, because it definitely hurt. But we'd really seen him very briefly in the movie, you know, just enough to know that he was a friend and he definitely didn't deserve to die. But I think it's just so amazing that spoilers, Wash's death. Those of us who saw the movie first, we'd only known him for the space of the movie, and it still absolutely punched me in the heart when they killed him. So I can't imagine what it was like for the people who had seen the TV show from the very beginning. And I'm not sure what the difference is between Joss Whedon and George R. R. Martin and the way they torment the audience. Maybe because it seems like so much of George R. R. Martin's is without hope and without any of the yeah. good points and without yeah. a lot of the, I mean, the humor in Game of Thrones can be really dark and Joss Whedon it seems a lot more lighthearted. so I think there's a bit more of a balance there but yeah that soundtrack I mean I loved reading about the composer and some of the stuff he did like he actually went out and like when I guess it was an antique store or whatever and found this old Russian antique piano that was like square and he just started playing a little bit and he said this is perfect for River. Yes, yes. And I love how it's always been kind of like in a minor key sort of something. But that moment when they've, you know, she's, they've gone down to the planet, and they have found out exactly what was going on with the Reavers, and she had collapsed to the floor. And then she looks up. And it's the moment where basically, at that moment, her sanity comes back. And 
at that moment the music in the background changes to a major key from a minor key and it's just it gives me shivers just thinking about it but we should probably go ahead and say that's david newman and yes he is related to randy newman i believe he's randy newman's cousin and randy newman's brother is thomas newman and he's done the music for shawshank redemption and um american beauty and uh, uh, meet joe black and some of the background music for uh finding nemo so you've heard thomas newman before you've definitely heard randy newman before now you've heard of David Newman. And another thing about Serenity that I really feel needs to be mentioned, first time I ever saw Sarah Paulson. She was oh, yeah. she was the uh, the scientist talking about yes. what exactly happened, the recording of the scientist uh, about I remember she just really amazed me for some reason when I saw that. So every other time that I've seen her show up on American Horror Story, on Deadwood, I've been like, oh, hey. And you know what? That's the thing. I don't think Hannah has seen American Horror Story or Serenity or Deadwood. I think she has or... seen Serenity, actually. She has seen Has she I seen think Serenity? she has, yeah. I never remember. It's, it's like that nerd world that I don't know how much she's gone into. But yeah. Sarah Paulson is just amazing, but I don't think she's seen American Horror Story, and Sarah Paulson's, like, recurring character with a vengeance on that oh, show. Oh, yeah, definitely. That that was the only ones that I picked for music. Did you have any other music picks? No, that was it, actually. Got all three of them, so... And I'm sure, nice. you know, over the course of the next couple of weeks, I'll probably be like, oh, damn it, I should have mentioned this, but, you know. Mm, um. That's how it usually <laughs> goes. So, other things we wanted to mention. First of all, I had not known until Catherine reminded me about two minutes before we started recording... We had a new trailer for How to Train Your Dragon Hidden World. Oh, it's going to be amazing. It is absolutely going to rip our hearts out. I already know. Oh, it I'm is. already I'm already envisioning what the solution is going to be at the ending of this movie and it's going to hurt. Me too. But it's going to be it is glorious. It, it is. It's just going to be like it's not going to be George R. R. Martin hurt. It's going to be Joss Whedon hurt in the very best way. It'll be awful. It'll rip our hearts out. But we can't imagine it any other way. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. And that trailer it. was lovely. I mean, just the whole mm. dance that Hiccup does to try to like <laughs> to try to hook up with the uh, the Light Fury that he's just found, and it's obviously one of those Lyrebird dances, whatever in the you know the jungle. Those amazing footage you see on YouTube everywhere. But of course, with Hiccup doing it, it's just. <laughs> oh. That's adorably it's, stupid. It is so funny. I really like the animation on the Light Fury's face. They did a cool thing with her eyes. I like how they've got yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, well, everything on everything on both of the movies that have come out now has been pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. So the other thing we were going to mention, one, this weekend I went up to Los Angeles for uh, Leland from the Lost in Sci-Fi and Spooky Easy podcast. He was having a birthday party at a tiki place in Los Angeles. I went up there. It is not nearly as difficult to get up there by public transportation as you might imagine. I mean, it's train trips and then you get on the subway and go places. And I didn't even have to get lift while I was there. I just took public transportation everywhere. So highly recommend that. While I was there, I'd been hearing about this. And as it turns out, it's like right on the railway between Union Station and where the restaurant was that Leland was having his party. It's called The Last Bookstore. And I've been seeing pictures on Instagram for a while. And it's pretty cool. I love that. Like, I mean, just some of the architecture they have inside that bookstore from the pictures that you sent. The book arch, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is an arch made out of books. And then a book 
portal, which is just like a yeah. circular window between two shelves, and it's made of books. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. And it's like, obviously, people are, you have to wait a while to get a picture taken there because there's all these people lined up to get pictures. But, you know, and then you've got like, a, it's like a two-story thing. You can look down on the shelves on the ground level, and then you go around corners, and they have art displays, and they had like a gallery at one spot. There's all this stuff. And then, of course, <laughs> the books. So it's just... They had like a whole horror room. They had a whole sci-fi, like they call it the book labyrinth. You're going through all these different rows and rows and rows of books. And I found it's up on the top of a shelf. It was the large paperback version of China Mievel's The Scar, bringing it all back around. Which I was shocked to find that you didn't already have that. I don't know why. No, I've, I've definitely read it, but I just didn't own it. I had no idea why, but I grabbed it off the shelf. I was like, oh, I know this one, flipped it over eight dollars and i'm like oh well this is coming home with me yeah it was awesome i was like is this like a library copy is it damaged no it looks great it just happens to be eight dollars i'm like and now it's mine (laughs) very nice highly recommend anybody if you're in the area check that out but the last thing i wanted to bring up because you can talk about this more than i can so i'm taking the amtrak on the way back home and it's a two-hour trip and so i thought i'll listen to some podcasts I listened to the first two episodes of Limetown. Wow! Wonderful. Okay, yes. I have many yes. questions to ask. First of all, what did you think? Oh, wow. So the tone is so neat in it. It's just this really, like, it, it's a nonfiction tone, but with the just creepiest possible overtones. I don't know how they did that. Right, and yes, and that was another thing. Did you think it was convincing, that sort of public radio tone that they had at the start of it? Yeah, I did. I mean, the various people who've been on it are like varying degrees of believable. You know, some people do sound like they're acting. Other people really sound very believable. I really feel like the main narrator, the woman who's doing this, mm-hmm. I mean, if you've listened to Serial Podcast, if you've listened to... This American Life. This American Life, um, and also the one that we listened to in the South and not, what was it, with the murder and it, the labyrinth and help me out here. Oh, um, S-Town. S-Town, thank you. God, why the hell is that hard to think of? <laughs> Just, th- she's nailed the tone of a nonfiction narrator on This American Life. I really think it's very, but in a very, like, disturbed way. She is really just everything that's going on she's like all of this is not cool yeah she is definitely it becomes she becomes less of a a narrator and she's more i've got to find out what's going on because now it's personal kind of thing now the second episode i feel is the weakest one of the series what did you think with the um the um winona yes um I, I still enjoyed it. And that's actually cool that she would say that because if that's the weakest episode, oh boy, because I still thought it was good. Oh you my know? God. Like, it oh, just, I mean, the quality just keeps going up from here. Oh, so what I loved is I had taken the Metrolink up from San Diego to LA and highly recommend that 10 bucks and you could take the public transportation all day long, but it stops at like mm, 4.15, I think. So I caught an Amtrak on the way back, which is higher quality, uh, bigger train, whatever. And it was silent in that train because most everybody had gone to the baseball game in Los Angeles that evening. And a lot of people who cared very passionately about that and got very drunk. You have no idea, Elizabeth. I just have to cut in this. Nathan told me today that today, I think it was, was the first time that they have had. Okay, let me see if I've got it. 
a football game, a baseball game, and a hockey game all happening at the same time in the same city within like blocks of each oh, other. Whoa. So yeah, big sports wow. weekend going on. Yeah, and I think most people, so that explains it because most of the people on that train, everybody was a little noisy when we first, you know, kind of pulled out of the station and then it got silent. I think most people passed out. I think they were probably pretty drunk. So, <laughs> it's just, so it's silent in that train on the way back. And I'm listening to that second episode and I'm enjoying it. I thought Winona, the, the story that she was telling was very spooky and scary. She wasn't like maybe she wasn't a bad actress, but not as strong as the narrator. But it gets all the way to the end and there's that silence. And then there's that guy screaming through the hotel door and pounding on it with his head. With his and head. It just, because that first just slam against the door and I jumped in my seat. I was glad nobody was looking at me because I seriously, I was expecting that the episode was winding down and that happens. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. Whoa, <laughs> holy cow. That startled the crap out of me. But oh my God. Yeah, I, I can tell I'm going to like this one. Yes, well, good because on Halloween, the season two will be dropping. Ooh. And I think uh, sometime a few days into November, the Limetown book comes out, which I oh, have already wow. pre-ordered. In fact... I have a pin that I was awarded for pre-ordering the book that calls, that uh, the pin says, I have heard the future. Oh, nice. I was expecting it was going to be something like, we all have our roles and it's important for us to do our roles. That saying that you hear like five times in the first two episodes. (laughs) I started the third episode and that's the one with the reverend. Yes. And that, that is very good. That is an excellent one. So, yes, I'm looking forward to hearing your reactions to this one because they're not really all that long episodes i don't no. think no i think the second one was like a half an hour long yep. at most so it was interesting that i don't know on the way up i said oh i'll listen to that podcast that Catherine likes what was it called again oh yes i think it was called lore so i <laughs> listened to the first two episodes i was like oh, i guess this is fine like the first episode is all about vampires i'm like this is all right except this is all information i already know it's like you know the vampire myth was based on vlad the impale or i'm like is there anybody who doesn't know that at this point? <laughs> oh, my God. We were just talking about this on the drive home from the restaurant tonight. We watched the first episode of the TV show that they started that's based on sure. this podcast. I wasn't impressed. No, I've heard most of the people who've seen it who had actually listened to the podcast weren't impressed with the TV show. So I Well, don't know. and it's just I haven't even wanted to try the podcast because the whole TV show was... It seemed a little bit like what you were talking about. It's this whole, we're revealing big information. Are you? Are you really? I don't know that. The second episode had at least a little bit more of a ghost story element to it. And was, I felt, slightly more interesting than the first episode. Because um, the first episode was all about vampires, but nothing really... A little bit about who was basically considered the first vampire in the United States. And it all has to do with a scare about consumption. Hmm. Um, you know, but... And it was fine, but I knew partway through the second episode, I'm like, I know this isn't what Catherine was talking about. And so I looked back at that post that you had made on Facebook, and I was like, ah, Limetown. Limetown! There we go. So I listened to that on the way back. Much better. Which is a nice little tie-in to uh, my uh, local brewery, Deep River Brewery. One of my favorite beers they have is called the Limetown Lager. Oh, I never even made that connection. Did they name it after the show? I doubt it. It's basically their Cottontown Lager with lime in it. Oh. I like lime. It's good. So, very nice. 
Can you think of anything else you would like to add to our 150th episode? No, I think we've covered a lot of good ground here. No, I think so. It's kind of typical of most of our episodes where we started with one thing and then went off on a tangent into a whole bunch of other awesome things. Exactly. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. I just talked to my friends Natasha and Rob and Aaron, and they went to LA Comic Con, and Natasha did get a press pass. So she was able to get in, and there's lots of pictures coming from all three of them, so I will have those up this week. Um, And you and Nathan, I believe, next weekend are going to North Carolina? Starting on the 9th. Is will be uh, uh, the NC Comic Con Bull City. So not next weekend, but the weekend after. Exactly. More convention stuff. Convention season never ends, by the way. Every time I say, oh, we're in convention season, have we ever been out of convention season? I don't think so. I think there's always, you just look around, you'll find something nearby you can go to. Yeah. So all of that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So next week we will, uh, there'll be a Night Vale episode next week, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Limetown. I'm sure there's other things that are happening in the nerdosphere that we'll have to talk about. So uh, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. dog barking during the podcast so that's gonna pick up oh hang on you're frozen am i back hang am on back? sorry you're frozen oh wait were you back wait back yeah I'm back. Okay, okay you're back good i finished my thought it's fine